Oh 
Yeah.
Good evening, Mosaic. It's good to be with you again. Uh, a lot less cute faces this time, just, I guess, me and Ryan mean mugging up here. Hey. Uh, we, uh, if this is your first time here, just want to welcome you. Glad you're here. A good place to go to figure out some information will be to the website. Uh, the I'm New page has a bunch of that stuff. And another one that's going to just keep you informed constantly is the news page, is the one right in the middle there. Uh, but a few things to kind of draw your attention to tonight. Uh, we are working toward 1 Timothy. Next weekend will be the kickoff of that series. Uh, but in the, in the meantime, uh, something to do tonight, if you haven't already, is, is get one of these uh, books, one of these study resources. They're out in the foyer. They're five bucks. Uh, but Monday morning this week uh, is, is when this book starts being useful to you. Uh, so Monday morning, crack it open, start reading. Uh, we begin the private devotion part. And so you'll study for a week. You'll show up on church Saturday night. We'll be preaching through what you've spent the week studying. That's one of my favorite uh, things to do is, is hear the thing that we've been thinking about all week long and just go, oh, I thought that. I didn't think that. That's incredible. So just really helpful. Uh, and then the following week after the teaching, uh, you'll look at the questions in small group together and discuss those. So a very helpful resource. Uh, the second that I wanted to point out is a, a kind of an overview video that Nick has recorded. It's just a, a walk through this letter that Paul has written to Timothy uh, to take to the church at Ephesus. And the, the culture of Ephesus, the time uh, that this letter is being spoken, is a time of tumult. There's, there's a deep need in the household of God for a coming together in unity. And so uh, in, in this national moment and in this moment in our church, it feels like a very timely letter. And so I, I'm excited about that. Uh, and and it's, a, it's a worthwhile video to go look at. And then a, a final thing that I wanted to do is uh, to take a little time to pray over uh, the, the retreat that students are taking next weekend. They're, they're going out to Camp War Eagle and joining a whole bunch of other churches and, and organizations to do a kind of combined youth camp. And one of the threats this week would be that some of those kids are exposed to COVID, test positive on Friday at check-in, and they would be turned away at the gate and sent home. And so I want to pray just for the miraculous, not a single kid gets to the gate and, and gets a positive test, that they, everybody, every student that shows up gets to go. Um, so can we do that together? Just pray over the week and over the possibility of exposures, pray over their time together. I, when I think about gathering together like, like you do at a retreat and getting away from the rhythms, it's such a special thing, and I would hate for anybody to miss that. So uh, I wrote something down to pray tonight because I, I knew my brain would get a little foggy here. So pray with me. Lord, thanks for the opportunity to pull away, for the opportunity of retreat for our students. Uh, we see you in your scriptures, and, and we see there that people meet you often when they step out or up. And so we ask just uh, the blessing of meeting our students this weekend. Uh, we ask that you would even uh, just the ridiculous gift. It's ridiculous because it's, uh, it's unheard of. It doesn't make sense. We can't do anything to make it happen. We can be cautious, and, and, and yet we cannot make this happen, and this would just be a gift to us of, of zero uh, positive tests for kids. Let them all go. Um, 
And then we, we are grateful for the gift of this moment here tonight. We are all pulling away from uh, what is just a, a Saturday. There's a ton of things we could do tonight. And we've, we've pulled out of all of the expectations of what could happen in this space, God, to be here together and to be here with you. And so we just ask tonight together that you would meet us in this space. Help us set aside our worries and our duties and our to-dos and, and gaze at you. We want to love as much as we've been loved. And so help us feel your love for us tonight. We pray that in your name. Amen. Let's stand.
we sing this tonight, let this be your prayer to him. Sing this from your heart. Be thou my vision.
God, our high King. God, would you give us your vision? Would you give us your wisdom? God, would you make us a people that seeks your face? Would you make us a people that loves you with our whole hearts? Would you give us a burning passion for knowing you better, Lord? And would you make this church a body that seeks to grow together, that serves together, that worships together, that gathers together, and that makes disciples together. In your name, for your glory, God, we pray this. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good evening, family. How are you? Woo, it's hot today. I've been sweating since 11 o'clock, and I ain't done, so you're going to see it get real sweaty up here. I, uh, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who struggles with perfectionism, anger, and control. My name is Colin. It's good to be with you tonight. There's a new sickness. I don't know if you've heard. No, I'm not talking about that one. It's, it's something else. It has been diagnosed, one uh, psychologist said, and it, uh, the modern-day pathology leading to anxiety associated with excessive or unreasonable fear with an object or a situation, and the title of the sickness has become nomophobia. No mobile phone phobia. I can't find it, where is it, right? Have you had the moment? You've lost the device and the kid or the spouse or the roommate is trying to talk to you and what's the one thing you're focused on? Where's my phone? Where's that phone? Also, I don't, I don't know if you have this too. Um, they've, they've actually started noticing trends. You may already know it. When you open your phone, what is the first app you go to? Have you thought of that? And, and maybe you've been in conversation, you've been on vacation, and you didn't even realize that you slid your phone open and went to it without a doubt. Instagrammers, where you at? Who's my Instagram fam? Okay, no, no shame in this place. Email, where my email's at? You, it, you could be like in the middle of nowhere, beauty and amazingness, and you just have your phone and you go email. Messages, texts, anybody in my text messages? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this thing has begun to happen in our brains where this technology, as amazing as it has been, has actually begun to change the lives in which we live. So much so that we now have a generation who has a pathology called nomophobia who will panic and suffer fear and anxiety if they are not holding, touching, near, or around their device. Woo, the modern age. One uh, brilliant, brilliant uh, psychologist and professor from MIT. I think she knows what she's talking about. Her name is uh, Sherry Turkle. She says this. There's been a new Pew Foundation study that showed 89% of adults took out a phone during their most recent social interaction. Don't you hate that? Where you're like trying to talk and, and all of a sudden like they're just down here. You're not present with them. And 82% say that doing so diminished the conversation completely. Most seriously, we are diminishing the conversations we have with our children. Ouch. In terms of child development, this is, a, this is playing with fire. See, what, what Sherry wants us to understand is she's not anti-technology. 
She's just pro-human flourishing. <laughs> that this technological age and all the gifts it's provided us, it's also time for us to maybe evaluate how is this affecting our community and how is this affecting our minds, our hearts? Sherry continues, that the research shows that an over-reliance on social technology may be causing us to become disconnected not only from one another, but also from our own sense of self. Children, adolescents, and adults who become dependent on the presence of others for validation in the most basic ways start to need other people to feel validated, and they cannot approach others as full, individual, differentiated people. Whew. So the, the, the modern digital age we're, we're living in, it's allowed us to be connected more than ever before, amen? We can, from all the way across the globe, be able to send information and data, and it's a gift, yet at the same time, we probably need to evaluate, where's the idol in this? What is this doing to us as mental and physical and emotional and spiritual and most importantly, as social beings? And maybe you've felt that from the past year. I mean, I had to hop off social media. No shame if you're still on it. I just, I could take it. I was struggling to follow Jesus and continue to get my likes. I just needed to take a break because I couldn't differentiate the mask of Colin on a screen from the present human being standing here before you. And so I'd love, maybe if you wanna take me up on my offer, let's just turn our phones off for a little bit. Yeah? What do you think? Can we turn them off, take them out, turn them off? And let's take a second as a community of faith to fix our eyes on God and to fix our eyes on the scripture. And let's, let's just even take the next 20 minutes not to worry about the Instagram or the phone calls or the email or whatever it is. And let's just be together in this space, fully present to what Jesus is doing in us and one another. Y'all excited? It's gonna be a fun time. Nick Brolin kicked us off last week. Uh, we're doing a little bit of time that we just wanted to really focus in on a devoted church, Fellowship Mosaic. If you've been here for a while, you know this has been a series of transition. We, it's been a wild but beautiful ride and God's been up to some good things. If you're new, we've really gone through a lot of change in our, in our family. Uh, we've actually had some of our staff go to Fellowship uh, Samaritan and Rogers and Springdale. Uh, with all the COVID and the differences that have come alongside that, we've had to change up different uh, things. We've had staff changes. We've had small groups. We've had all these changes. And now as we enter into the fall, we're excited to just kind of settle in and see what Jesus has before us. And so our hope in this season is to invite you, and I'm not talking about the person next to you, behind you, you to devote yourself to being a follower of Jesus with this community of faith. And what would it look like in Northwest Arkansas if we really took seriously what Jesus has in store for his church and his world in this season? Would you pray with me? Father, we, uh, we need you. Father, thank you for a time to come in this place as brothers and sisters, saints, your beloved. Lord, wherever the, uh, the enemy or the flesh are at work in us right now, we just ask that you'd uh, allow them to be silent. Would you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, to taste and know you're good together. It's your beautiful and precious name, amen. And so to be a church who loves one another and watches God at work. And uh, there's a lot of church strategies. There's a lot of things I could tell you we're gonna go do and do and do. And I think the best thing we could do in this season 
is just go to the scriptures. So Acts chapter two, if you have a Bible, please go ahead and open up. If it's on your device, don't worry, I got you covered. Uh, Acts chapter two, uh, and what I'd love for you to do here is start not necessarily trying to go what was happening in Jerusalem uh, back then, but what would it look like if our community of faith, the men and women and children who are at this church tonight, what would it look like if we started to put some of these to practice? So Holy Spirit has come. Uh, The disciples are all gathered up trying to figure out what do we need to do now? And uh, they start casting lots, trying to say, hey, I guess we need to get another disciple because the other guy's gone. And they're kind of confused. Holy Spirit comes and everything changes forever. Happy birthday to the church at Pentecost. And this is the effect. After Peter's first sermon there in Jerusalem, look with me. All the believers, notice, it's all in. This wasn't some were there, some weren't, no, no. Everyone who was a follower of Jesus at that time was devoted, committed, bought in holistically to the apostles' teaching. I love that we're about to teach 1 Timothy because every time, after Acts chapter two, every time you start to see the church shift from the apostles' teaching, it doesn't go very well for them, does it? And I would argue in our day and age, when we move away from that, it causes a lot of damage to ourselves and our world. And what's the apostles' teaching, you might ask? Well, simply put, it's the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, and the return of Christ. It is the person and work of Jesus. As he gathered these disciples and told them, I'm going to teach you so that you can go and teach all nations. It is the person and work of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And to stray away from that, as we'll see in 1 Timothy, oh, it wreaks havoc, not only on the community of faith, but on the greater community around them. So they are committed uh, to the invitation of life to the full from Jesus and to prayer. Oh, to be a community who prays, to be a a community of saints who, not out of an area of performance or any other thing, but if our strategy moving forward was just that we spend time intimately with the Father together. And don't miss this one, and sharing meals together, including the Lord's Supper's. Uh, I don't know about you, but I love that Jesus practiced the, the art of eating food with people. Amen? Amen. I hope we go get some after this. But that church would not just be this thing where we come in here and we sing great songs and then, okay, I'll see you next week. No, we gonna eat food together, y'all. We're gonna gather in homes and enjoy the goodness of our cooking and using these skills. Why? Because we wanna connect. We wanna have that koinonia, fellowship, intimate relationship with the Father and one another. The church is doing something in this season that's, that's countercultural to the, the world around them. A deep sense of awe, verse 43, came over all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. There was a, an overall sense of worship and understanding of what the Spirit was doing in one another and around them. All the believers, notice there it is again, not some of them, not a couple. All of them were bought in. They met together in one place and shared everything they had. They served one another. So if somebody needed something, they were there. They were the first ones to come alongside each other as brothers and sisters, as a family of faith to serve. 45, they sold their property and possessions and shared money with those in need. They not only served one another, they went out to the community around them and they were light and salt, as Jesus says his disciples are. Verse 46, they worship together at the temple every day. How fun would that be 
to be able to be there, Peter at the Mount, teaching in the temple and the early church coming together and praising God on the day to day. But watch, they didn't stop there. And then they met where? Homes for the Lord's Supper. And they shared meals with great joy and generosity and all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. Question, is that how people would describe the church today? A community who worships God together every day, meets in homes, shares meals with great joy and generosity. Man, I pray we could get back there. And each day the Lord added, don't miss it. It wasn't, they went out and recruited and say, hey, you need to come get this church thing going. No, they didn't have like a sales pitch. They loved each other and worshiped God and the Lord added to their numbers daily. The Lord was the one who brought the harvest while they planted these seeds of faith, hope, and love. God was the one who made it grow, not their efforts and those who were being saved. So a, a quick summary of the early church what they were doing, what they were up to from day one, happy birthday, to what Jesus is doing through his church. First, it was a church devoted to Christ. They didn't sway from the apostles' teaching. This is who Jesus is, this is what Jesus does, and this is what Jesus commands of his followers. And they kept it going. As Jesus told his disciples, teach, teach them everything I've commanded you. And the apostles go and do it. And so you have the early saints coming together, growing together in Christ, first and foremost, by learning. That they took time not only to, to devote themselves to learning God's word and what God was up to, but even being able to learn what was going on in the community around them and how they could serve that community. They worshiped together. A sense of awe was over them without stop. They gathered both publicly at the temple and in homes. And then they served each other in the community and ultimately, God added to their numbers. They invited others to make disciples. So uh, what if we gave it a try? What if Fellowship Mosaic, what if this congregation, again, I'm not talking to someone else or the person next to you, I'm talking to you tonight. What if we actually put this strategy on? And we didn't have to come up with the, the kind of myth of progressive, it's out there somewhere, we have to keep moving forward. What if we look back and we just joined the early saints in what they did and watch the Holy Spirit manifest in Northwest Arkansas? Are you in? Would you wanna join in something like that to be a part of a community of faith that's known for this? First, to, to grow together. That we would not necessarily numerically, we're, we're not focused on numbers here but spiritually that we would be a, a community of faith that's known for living daily in an abiding relationship with the master himself. That we would be a, a, a church who is known for battling our sin well and having grace for each other when there's failure. And that we'd support one another. That a family of faith committed to abiding with Jesus. That it wouldn't just be in this room on a Saturday, but every other day of the week we would be praying and spending time together with our triune God of light and love. Uh, what, if we, uh, what if we were someone who, uh, a church who learned together? What if we actually took the teachings and practices of Jesus and put them into this day and age in our homes, in our cities, in our neighborhoods? So whether that's as a parent, as a roommate, on an Excel sheet, at the office, at the coffee shop, at the park. What if we actually took the, the teachings of Jesus and didn't just keep them up here, 
But as James says, we're not merely hearers of the word, but doers. That we learn the scriptures, not just so we could have more knowledge of God, but so we could participate with him in this world. To grow in our, our learning and knowledge. As Jesus invites us, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. How countercultural is that? In the day and age of rush and busy and check all your emails and get it done and 80 hour weeks and we gotta get the kids here and there. Come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest, says Jesus. Take my yoke upon you and learn. Take my teachings, my way of life, the way, the truth, and the life. Take it upon you and experience this life to the full. What if we were a family of faith who is devoted to being lifelong learners? Hmm. Next, uh, to, to worship together. Paul later says to the church that we are to be a living sacrifice, that absolutely we're gonna worship and we're gonna do what? What do we do in this room? Sing, singing. I mean, even if you look at ancient Israel, there's 150 songs in your Bible. Singing is so important and worship's not limited to singing. Amen. Worship is a lifestyle. It is the day by day giving what we have and what we do and laying it down at the feet of Jesus and saying, have your way. My finances, my marriage, my relationships, my job, my home, my stuff, everything I have, I offer as a living sacrifice out of worship to you. I love how uh, our, our brother and friend Tom Toomer defines worship. He says that worship is giving our uh, attention and affection to God. And that's something we do on the moment by moment. And if we were a community who, who worshiped together in both word and deed, all things we did was in the name of Jesus out of an affection and a desire for him. Absolutely, let's gather and sing, but let's go worship out there as well and inviting other people to participate. This one's big. Next, let, let's be a church devoted to gathering together. Now you're here, well done. This is a good place to be on a Saturday night, isn't it? And hopefully you're here and this is a safe place for you to come and be transformed together into the image of Christ. It matters. Our gathering in this place is so vital. Even as the early church, they went to temple to hear God's word taught together and to meet in large group, but it didn't stop there. And one of the greatest dangers to the church in the West today is the individualized, I can kind of do Christianity how I want, so give me my church, let me drop my kids off, and I'll see you next week. And we are missing out on something vital that the early church that Jesus had in store. Notice Jesus didn't do ministry alone. He did it in community. We worship a triune God. Even the Godhead functions with Father, Son, and Spirit in perfect relationship and harmony together. And we, as human beings, are designed for relationship, not to sit alone in wonderful rooms and worship. Not only that, but for deeper connection with one another. That community, if I could define it, is intentional relationships centered on being more and more like Christ. And friends, that happens in the context of homes. The early church did it. Did you know that there are so many people in Northwest Arkansas who one, don't want to, and two, will not step foot in this room? Nothing against you, nothing against the building, but some people have had incredibly hard experiences in church and they're burnout and done. 
and they're walking from it. And you may know some. Others don't feel worthy to come in this place. They feel like that Jesus thing is for the religious folk and that ain't me. So they're not gonna come here. And, and one thing we have got to understand is that in order for us to be spiritually formed, to be like Jesus, a holistic formation, it has to take place not just in here, but out there with one another. So if we could, if we could put um, a practice together, like if you could leave tonight and just do one thing, I, I would ask us to do this, that we could uh, get back to one of the most important spiritual practices Jesus taught, which is the practice of the table. To be able to invite men and women and children in your neighborhood, in your city, in this room to come together and hear each other's story and allow each other to not have your kind of Instagram filtered version of yourself, but the authentic you coming and going, this is hard. This life, this following Jesus thing, he said he promised it would be, have trouble and he was right and I need help. And if we were a church devoted to gathering in homes throughout Northwest Arkansas so that we could begin to see not us producing anything, but God creating this growth and this connection that comes together beautifully. And I think uh, for some of us, when we, we, we think of community, um, there's the ideal we could look at, right? Like if you could think of my ideal community group would be this, and it gets you so fired up and you're like, I'm in, sign me up. And then there's the reality of community <laughs> where life starts to get messy and people actually are kind of difficult and so-and-so won't come and this, oh my goodness, and it starts to like spiral. And I think, as well as Jesus agrees, that the transformation begins to take place somewhere in the middle. That as we have this ideal for, yeah, let's get in our homes together and let's break bread and let's talk about God's word with one another, but also know there's, there's gonna be some hard seasons Somewhere in between that, the Holy Spirit does something beautiful where he begins to form us and transform us so that we could go be light and salt to the world around us. And so we, uh, if I could ask you one thing tonight, um, in this season of Mosaic, uh, as we look forward to who we're becoming and what we're doing and, and, and people ask, what, what do we need? Um, we need folks who are willing to open up their homes. We need folks who are willing to, to welcome men and women and children, cell groups, uh, all the way down to sixth graders to be able to come into your home to facilitate space for the spirit to do what he does best. This entire church staff, this entire church exists to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So while we love the fact that we're in this space together worshiping, we get so much more fired up when you with the Holy Spirit begin to transform the communities around you. So we invite you, would you consider it? Next, that uh, we would serve together. Uh, anyone ever lived in a house with people who won't do the dishes? Oh, and you're like, uh, I'm sitting right next to him right now, trigger. No, I lived in college. We had, it was back in the days when this was, I don't know if it was legal. I might have to pay a fine now that I said this. We had like eight guys in one house and maybe two of us were kind of like type A clean freaks. I was not one of them. And we would have dishes literally just piled up. And one night we had to get together and we had to have a serious, we call it family conversation. And we had to say, hey, we gotta do the dishes. We gotta get a system. And so here's what we did. Nick Rowland actually lived at this house once too. I don't know if he did this, but we filled up the bathtub. 
put soap in it, threw the dishes in there, and then that, no one showered in that bath for like a year after that because it was disgusting. But we, we understood, hey, we, we gotta serve each other. Friends, uh, this is a big church. We have a lot of beautiful things happening and we got some babies who need some help. We got, we got some babies who are looking for folks to come and serve and, and hold them. Um, Northwest Arkansas has a lot of needs and we need saints who are willing to go, I'm gonna roll up my sleeves and I'm gonna get my hands dirty because I wanna get involved in serving this community. Wouldn't you wanna be a part of a church like that? To be followers of Jesus who are a gift to the world, not a burden to it. And lastly, and most importantly, that we would be a church devoted to making disciples together. Now, I think we've done something kind of gross to the word disciple. Um, we've made it something that it, it only stays at the intellectual level, right? So we've kind of taken leadership development of learn these good things and replaced that over become like Jesus, right? And I love that the Greek word is, is mathetes. It's to be a learner, a pupil, an apprentice, a practitioner, to think of like a master craftsman, a woodworker, or someone who works with clay. And to just look at them and think, I know that. And to expect them to hire you? No. But for us to go, I wanna be like Jesus, so I'm just gonna read a couple of verses and we'll be good. No, it's going to take everything to come up under him to learn and practice his way. And not only that we would be those kinds of people, that we would invite others to join in an abiding, intimate, eternally life-giving relationship with him, our master and friend. Can you believe that while all the other rabbis, never one of them called their students, their pupils, their disciples, friend. And here's Jesus, and he says, I've not only called you my disciples, I call you my amigo. <laughs> I call you a friend, a brother, a sister. And if we were a church who was known for, for inviting people to live into eternal life now, not just in the future, it wouldn't be a good time with Colin without Dallas Willard. He says this favorite quote by the guy. The greatest issue facing our world today, there's a lot of them, aren't there? But in this room, the greatest issue facing our world today with all its heartbreaking needs is whether those who by profession or culture are identified as Christians will become disciples, students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus Christ, steadily learning from him how to live the life of the kingdom of heavens into every corner of human existence. Hmm. Hey family, uh, we got some dishes we need to do. Friends, gathering in this space matters so much and it is just a sliver of the pie of your formation to become like Christ. That We actually need to, to take it to the next level to be involved in each other's life and the messiness of relationships. But if we were a church who did this, God grows us. We're not worried about filling seats, getting more people here. We're worried about abiding with him so that he can change us to be more like his son. And that we learn together as we dive into 1 Timothy that we really take the scriptures seriously so we can kind of know where are the false gospels competing for my attention. I wanna know the apostles' creed, the apostles' faith, their teaching and following that to, to worship together in this space as well as outside of it with our lives giving it over to him to gather here and please in homes to serve together and make disciples. 
there was a, a, a study, and as the, the worship band comes back out, there's a, a psychologist named James uh, Pennebaker. And uh, they did a study of people um, looking at the effects of trauma. How can you have some people who have incredibly horrific experiences of abuse, yet are able to heal and function, while others have minor trauma, still trauma, still painful, but they just cannot quite get over it. So from abuse in a long-term relationship, physically, sexually, emotionally, to a, a tiff between two friends that they just couldn't quite get over, trauma. And you, you'd be, it'd be fascinating. As, as they did this study, what they found was the difference of whether or not you were able to heal and actually grow and become stronger from that was those who were able to do it with another person, to do it in community and relationship. And it is in that place that there was healing and there was life. And Jesus invites us, friends, as hard as relationships can be, to live in relationship with one another. So as, as we sing this last song, here's what I'd ask you to do. Would you sing these words over the brothers and sisters around you? And would you ask, God, whatever you're calling them to do tonight, I just wanna sing this song over them as a blessing to how you might be at work. Would y'all stand and sing with us? Table 
There, hey, thanks, Alice. My bad. But could you imagine what, what a type of community of faith like this? Shoulder to shoulder, committed to loving God and others and watching him work. Do you want in? Oh. Hey, there's a few things I want to tell you about. First, if you're new, this is what this church is about. We have a vision that we want to see the heart and soul of Northwest Arkansas and the world changed, not by things we do, but by what Jesus has in store. And we get to participate. This church, our expression, our hope is to see leaders, spiritual leaders like you and me released into Northwest Arkansas. And we can show the, the apostles Christ, the authentic Jesus and what he's up to in our world. And there's a few things I, I wanna invite you to. If you're brand spanking new, like you just came here tonight, sign up, please. We would love, one, to get to know you as well as get to invite you into this, this journey we're on as a spiritual family. Uh, next, if you're, you've been here for a while and, and you're crushing it on the gathering here, but not quite there to the gathering out there, we got a board out in the foyer. It just says community. And there's a couple of leaders who would love, one, to say hi, and two, to get your information, just so we can connect with you. Not to try to sell you on anything or to get you into a program, but so that we as a church could, could go out into Northwest Arkansas and be transformed into Jesus together. So if you're interested, I wanna join, please let them know. Hey, if you've been at Mosaic for a long time, you call this home, uh, we need your help. We need help serving here on Saturdays and we need help hosting and facilitating people to come into homes to experience the goodness of God together. So we invite you, let us know. If you are a lady looking for connection, sign up. This is going to be an amazing opportunity to learn and grow together in God's word. Family, we love you so, so much. Hey, if you wanna sign up for a group but you got kids, do us a favor, go grab your kids and then come back. Uh, as well as you can totally just go to the mosaicnwa.news um, and sign up there. But friends, we love you. Let's go grow together this week. Grace and peace, family.